0: Welcome to Hudson Valley Uncensored. My name is Brett Freeman. I'm the publisher and owner of a media company in the Hudson Valley, New York. I launched this podcast to highlight and discuss topics without fear. My aim is to have a free exchange of ideas and an open and honest discussion on the issues of the day. Welcome to Hudson Valley Uncensored. Today we have as our guest, and it's becoming a regular occurrence, we have Tom Waligorski. He's the editor of the Somers Record and North Salem News. We have Brian Marschauser. He's the editor of Yorktown News and the Katona Lewisboro Times. And we have Bob Dumas, who is the editor of Mayapack News. Welcome to the three of you. Thanks for having Mayapac. us back. Yeah. So, uh, Brian, I'm going to start with you. Um, I know uh, you have a couple of things you'd like to talk about in your towns, uh, so I'll let you start off.
1: Yeah, the big news this week is marijuana dispensaries, which I know is an issue for all of our towns. Yesterday, I sat down with Matt Damrau, a Yorktown resident who was spearheading a petition to overturn the town board's vote to opt out of marijuana dispensaries. So because this is subject to permissive referendum, Damrau could have gotten 1600 signatures from Yorktown residents, which would have been enough to get this on the ballot, or at least have the town board reconsider its position before it got on the ballot. But- With about ten days to go and about four hundred signatures left, he has decided to call it quits. He just he he thinks he might be able to get to sixteen hundred, but he just uh, he knows that some of those signatures will be challenged, and he really wanted like a two hundred to three hundred signature cushion. Uh, You know, sometimes someone will sign for their spouse, or sometimes they'll write the wrong address down, or sometimes they live out of town, or there will be duplicates. So. Signatures are always challenged and, and declared invalid. So he's just calling it quits. And he said, even if he got the 1600, put it in his words, uh, he, he, it's a town board that is vehemently opposed to this. They voted 5-0 to opt out. They made very clear they do not want dispensaries in town. So Damrow actually wanted to open up his own dispensary in Yorktown called Hudson Grove. And he just, even if they got the 1600, even if the town residents voted to overturn that vote, he just did, didn't think it was going to be a great environment in which to open his dispensary in Yorktown. It was an unwelcoming environment, uh, according to him. And additionally, he said, "Well, he signed non-disclosure agreements, but he said he's actually been recruited by other Northern Westchester communities that have not yet opted out. So he won't tell me which ones they are, but he basically hinted that they are." Very nearby Yorktown. So, you know, you, you can... So, so
0: I, the I think I saw this somewhere on social media. So I'm going to guess his peak skill. I, I saw that somewhere. Uh,
1: he didn't even tell me off the record. So I couldn't verify whether that's true or not. In, in doing research, there's only a handful of Northern Westchester communities that have not yet opted out. Bedford, Newcastle, and Peekskill are definitely among them. So he said he's been recruited by these, you know, town council members. Clerks offices have called them up and said, Hey, we're not going to opt out. We suggest you, you know, start discussing things with our building department. So, you know, those, those are in the works and he, so in short, he's taking his business
0: elsewhere. I have to say, you know, good for him. If he, if he's really getting recruited, you know, I, I didn't think it was that easy of a process just to get sort of recruited. And, well, you know, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and the reason I say that is because, I mean, I think the first person in is going to make a ton of money.
1: So He kind of explained to me that the first people in will be the existing medicinal marijuana. They're already existing in the state. So he said they'll probably make the transition to recreational and they'll be the first ones to open since the state's already familiar with them and it'll be a lot easier process for them. But he doesn't expect it to happen on January 1st, 2022. You know, he thinks it'll take till April or May before we start seeing the first dispensaries open up in New York State. He said that, you know, just the licensing Application will cost him about five to ten thousand dollars. Wow! And the and the license itself will cost about two hundred thousand. Wow! So he, he says that he's been advised to have about three million on hand just to start. So this is not a uh, process that anybody can get into. Uh, he really wanted to open one up in Yorktown, but it's not going to happen. And he's he's uh, he's looking to open it somewhere else. He doesn't know if he'll get a license yet, but he's hoping.
2: Yeah, well, that's. I mean, look, I th- weren't they going to prioritize minorities for licensing. I thought. Yeah, I
0: believe right. that's I believe that's true. Yeah.
2: And Bob, uh, I
0: guess there's also a petition going on in May. Pack. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah,
2: When I last checked with Aaron, who is passing because she wanted me to sign it, but it was it's been about a week since we talked. Um, I hadn't thought about it, but I'll reach out to her. But last time I talked to her, she the she said they were on target. So I'll, I'll try to update that with her to see if they still are, you know, but uh, you never know. You know, it might be the same situation that Brian was just talking about, even if they get enough, you know, is there going to be the uh, the political wherewithal to to move forward with it once, you know, once it's uh, on the ballot?
0: Bob, you were um, the interview I did, the one on one interview I did with you about um your marijuana arrest in California that was one of the most listened to most downloaded uh, episodes of Hudson Valley Uncensored i think <laughs> i think it it might be either number 1 or number 2 at this point that sort of went viral people were really interested in that and i, I think in addition to minorities isn't it one of the categories also of people have been impacted legally by marijuana
2: or or is that, i am I mistaken so. okay but i so, don't have 3 million dollars so
0: well, th- yeah, I was going uh, well, to say, if you put your name on something, you know, I might have to fear uh, you uh, working at one of these dispensaries. And
2: uh, Anyway, I guess. Uh, someone wants to back me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: anyway, Tom, I know um, some big discussion happened at the Somers Board of Education meeting. Uh, this past yeah. week, do you want to discuss
3: Yeah, the uh, Somers uh, Somers Board of Education was a was a lively one. Actually, uh, required the presence of uh, f- several members of the uh, Somers Police Department just to keep everybody in order. Um, big discussion has been uh, masks for students and faculty members and everything for the up uh, you know for the upcoming school year. And uh, the issue yesterday evening or uh, Tuesday evening was the actual wearing of masks at the meeting itself. And um, I know there were several student athletes there from Somers high school that um, wanted to speak about just the importance of, uh, of athletics and that they, there had been rumors that some sports might be in jeopardy, especially uh, football and volleyball for indoor. And because football is a contact sport and they just wanted to speak about, you know, the importance of that. They just wanted to play and that they would do whatever was necessary you know, regarding masks. And I heard that they, um, they spoke very, you know, very maturely and very eloquently about it. And, um, you know, some of the uh, people in the crowd were a little apprehensive about wearing masks. And actually, I know that some uh, at least one person needed to be removed by the police department. So just, uh, you know, go, going forward, these are going to be issues and, you know, in all of our towns and everything. And just uh, you know, there's there should be a way to go about this in an orderly way for, you know, for So everybody feels safe, you know, especially at these meetings and everything.
0: I have to say the the one argument I do hear from people who are kind of critical of masks is, is that there really is only one mask that works. To prevent COVID, which is the N95 mask, and really all the other masks are kind of failed to prevent the transmission of it. You know, I don't know if, if if that was part of the argument or what people are saying about that.
2: It was in Manpack. Well, at the last meeting, it was it was a special meeting about that very issue. That was pretty much the only thing on the agenda, and I, it wasn't uh, as heavily attended as I thought it would be. There was probably half a dozen, six, seven parents there to talk about it. And basically, Superintendent Anthony DiCarlo expressed frustration because, as everybody, as we all know, last week, they're all waiting for the state to come forward with their guidance. And it was basically going, we recommend masks, but we're leaving it up to you. And they know that as soon as the new governor comes in next Tuesday, she's already indicated she's going to require masks. So there was uh, Anthony said that they kind of have to go along with this because if they don't and somebody gets sick or die, they could be held liable. They've met with their lawyers and uh, their insurance company said, you know, they could be in big jeopardy if they don't follow the mandate. But, yeah, there was one parent who got up and mentioned that about, you know, these masks that we're wearing don't do anything. You need N95 masks. Um So it's all just a a dog and pony show. But what Anthony said, he would like to, I don't know how it's done in Westchester, but he's frustrated because in Putnam, he wants some sort of trigger, some sort of data that if you reach this number of cases or you drop to certain number of cases, automatic triggers like, okay, masks, or okay, no longer masks. And he's frustrated because in Putnam County, covid cases don't go to putnam they might start at putnam county hospital but they're eventually transferred to danbury poughkeepsie it's hard to keep in-house data about truly how many what our numbers are here and he wants to go by zip code which the state hasn't done they've been doing it by communities which he said gives you false data because you know of the hospitalization they don't go here so um he wants some sort of thing that would automatically trigger what the district has to do. And he's working hard to get that in place. But there was another parent who was upset about it because her son doesn't want to wear a mask and she wants the option for remote learning. And there's nothing in place for that right now for kids who want to stay home and not go to school at all, you know. Anthony said they're dealing with that on a case by case basis. They have to meet with the school medical personnel and guidance counselors, and it's a whole thing. So she said her son is going to have PTSD, you know, and uh, from it all and be psychologically damaged from having to wear a mask. But Otherwise, it was a pretty calm meeting. Um, people got up and vented a little bit. And nobody w- said we're blaming the school board or DiCarlo or anything like that. They're just frustrated with the situation as a whole. And that'll be my big story for next week.
0: Yeah. And, and Tom, I mean, just going back to you. Uh, I know, you, uh, sorry, I, I want to let you finish what you, what you were saying. No, um, actually, I think Bob
3: kind of hit the nail on the head there. I think just a lot of people, I don't think the anger and everything is necessarily directed at the school board per se. I just think that uh, everybody is still in this holding pattern of, you know, waiting to see where the state education department and the CDC comes back with guidelines. But, you know, here we are. We're a week closer to everything. Uh, I mean, as far as my my towns go, North Salem starts in uh, starts on uh, september 9th and somers will be back september 1st so we're getting uh, we're getting pretty close here and we're you know coming right down to the wire with the decisions to be made about a lot of things so i think that's where a lot of the apprehension and the anger is coming from just that we you know we're so close and we don't really necessarily know yet
0: i will tell you as as um the lone parent on this group on this uh, discussion i have a seven-year-old i also have a um uh, soon to be 12 year old my seven-year-old you know he's in special education i would say the masks I mean, COVID really complicates things for parents. A, the masks really definitely made, I think made it difficult for a learning environment, you know, understanding what the teacher's saying, you know, so I mean, if you have certain, if you have certain learning disabilities, it could make it more difficult. And frankly, just the, the whole policy of, you know, if you're exposed to, you know, one person and you don't even have, you know, you have no symptoms, you have no COVID and you're, you know, you're out for two weeks, you know, it's really, really difficult to be homeschooling, you know, we're very lucky. Lauren works for uh, this newspaper group. So she's able to take off and help with teaching our kids. But, you know, I don't know how some parents do it. It's got to be very, very difficult. It's, it's a very stressful thing for parents without a doubt. So just wanted to add that. And, and you know, Brian, just sorry, go, going back to you, I know there's another big, big story that you had worked on in, uh, in your town. I just love if you can mention that as well.
1: Yeah, I don't have a ton more to add with the Board of Ed. They're, you know, the, the mask issue has not really come up much uh, with Lakeland, Yorktown or katona Pro schools, they're preoccupied with other things, the uh, <laughs> diversity, diversity, equity, inclusion stuff uh, in katona Pro, It's the uh, actually big, big issue with uh, restraint holds on special education students that's being discussed. But yeah, when it comes to Yorktown, the other big story is the winery at St. George, which is operated uh, in Mohegan Lake on Route 6 for about 10 years, a little more than that, just abruptly closed a couple of weeks ago leaving a lot of people confused. And we reached out to the owner, uh, Tom DiCiaro, who uh, he bought the winery for, uh, I forget how much money, but it was, I think uh, 500 grand back in 2005. And now it's listed, I think for like 1.7 million, something like that. And so he owns it, but he hasn't not been involved with the day-to-day operations for quite a while. Right now it's being run by the manager guy named Nick. So we reached out to Tom, at least the number we used to add for him, you know, it both times we called, it was not picked up. We reached out to the manager, Nick. He declined to comment. He said he was uncomfortable talking about it because even he was blindsided. He didn't know what was happening and he he, he didn't want to speak out of turn, didn't really know what he could add to it. Uh, so we were left with kind of not much of a story other than saying this place is closed, a for sale sign has been listed. So to looking to kind of Get some insight. We 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 looked for some comments. We got some from a woman who had her wedding planned at the winery next month. So clearly, this came as a surprise to everybody. This was not in the plans. According to her, they just, you know, she was had had meetings with the manager as recently as two weeks ago, and you know, was discussing all the plans and everything. And then this happened, but she did praise the manager, saying he moved mountains to help find them a new venue. So that at least it has a happy ending in that sense. But she was very disappointed. And uh, I think she, she expressed her disappointment in the owner for doing this. So she's probably just one of many people who had events planned, uh, gift cards, whatever, who was just kind of left out in the cold. Um, hopefully some of those issues get resolved as in this case. But uh, yeah, I suspect many people will, um, will, <laughs> will not have quite a happy ending.
0: I've been at events at that venue. And I have to say that um, it's a beautiful, absolutely beautiful place. So you know, I, I can understand why mm-hmm. someone someone would be disappointed. There was, I just want to bring this up, you know, because you did, uh, you know, use our Facebook page to solicit any information you could get, which is always a great tool to use. And uh, we had one uh, commenter, a top fan of Yorktown News, who was uh, gave you some problems for this. What what was that about?
1: Right. So it's so very human of us to ignore the 50 comments, you know, saying. Wow, I can't believe this. Or wow, you guys do a great job and to focus in on the one guy who says I can't believe you don't guys don't have anything better to write about. You know, what are you doing? <laughs> you guys don't write about other closures. First of all, several of those things are just completely untrue. We write about business closures all the time. We solicit comments all the time too, especially in this case where we just couldn't get any comment from the people involved. So we really wanted to find some insight, and especially when it comes to a store, you know, to the winery's credit. It's part of the fabric of the community. Mm-hmm. It's it's an event gathering place. It's where people get married. It's where people hang out with their friends. It's where people go see live shows. You know, it's not, no offense to people in the insurance industry, but it's not like if an insurance office closes and, you know, we're soliciting comments from people, oh my God, you know, tell us what happened. Um, this place, um, it closed abruptly and it kind of shocked everybody. And it was a mainstay on Route 6 for a long time. Yeah. So, you know, we do this all the time. It's nothing new. We write about business closures. Just three weeks ago, we wrote about Panera on the front page and, and we'll continue writing about business closures because that's what our readers care about. I think we've heard from many people that the hyper-local focus of our papers, the granularity of it is what they appreciate. You know, Of course, there are more important things in a winery Closing, uh, just look at Afghanistan and mask wearing and vaccines and whatever else is going on in Washington. It's way more important than a restaurant closing, but
0: uh, not for us. You know, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's kind not, of what we do. That's not our mission. Absolutely. So, uh, no, I appreciate that. And the, I think that the uh, the evidence definitely bears it out. So anyway, um, I appreciate the, uh, the work you guys are doing. Uh, is there anything else that uh, I, any of you would like to add?
3: Uh, yeah, actually, I just wanted to, um, you know, kind of along the lines of the, uh, the hyper local focus of our papers, which, again, you know, like Brian said, uh, you know, not uh, I know a lot of people, you know, appreciate and everything. And, you know, sometimes it's important to, uh, you know, to highlight those things. There was one thing so far in the uh, the issue of North Salem news that's uh, that's out for everybody today. We uh, we had a chance to catch up with the Miras family. They were um, a rather large family from North Salem. They actually have their nine siblings. And during the pandemic, four, there were four simultaneous pregnancies. Which was just kind of like an interesting little story and everything. And we actually had a chance to catch up with them now that they have their four new additions. And uh, it's just a story that got a very nice response from us on social media and everything. And a lot of people coming out, you know, you have nine siblings, now nine grandchildren. So, you know, a lot of people in the area, just very familiar with the family, you know, very lovely people and everything. You know, took the time to just update us on what's going on. So that's available on our Tap Into site and um, in uh, in Somers, we actually had uh, the town justice, Michael McDermott. He's uh, actually you know good friend of Halston Media and everything. And uh, he took the time to meet up with some, with one of the local um, senior groups and just talking about different scams to be aware of and everything. And just uh, I've had family members that have been affected by this and everything. And I just think that uh, you know for really anybody, especially you know um, some of our you know senior readers, it might be important for them just to to check out what he had to say. And uh, you know definitely appreciated him taking the time just to update people on, you know, just some of these things to be aware of, especially, you know, in the kind of the world that's like ever-changing with everything. So we got two stories from my towns that I wanted to make mention of.
0: We have a colleague, I won't won't mention that person's name, who um, was a victim of a scam. And I will tell you that it was really targeting Halston Media, where Halston Media was receiving uh, an email or people were receiving an email within Halston Media saying like they were trying to get gift cards or something like that. And they needed a credit card number. And people, at least one person thought it was me contacting them. So, you know, it does go to show. And I'll tell you, the one way to kind of to verify that is um, because people can mask their, their names on the from on email where you can put anybody's name on there, but you can actually look at the actual email address. So if you click on the from and, and look at the actual email address, if it's not familiar, then, you know, it's definitely a scam.
1: And so, to add to that, yeah. you can also... They are getting very good, these emails. I got one from someone one that looked like Chase the other day. And I, if I had to pause for a moment and I really looked at it, and like you said, I looked at the email address. But if you're also ever uncertain, you can uh, hover your mouse over the link that they want you to go to. And if it's not chase.com, don't click it. <laughs>
2: yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I got a lot of that stuff all the time. I just ignore it. <laughs> yeah. I got some stories. Sure, sure, Bob. I mean, besides the mask, when school, you know, issue that's confronting school districts, when Mayapack opens in a couple of weeks, one of the things that kids will get back there are going to notice is some physical changes in the high school building. Uh, last year, voters passed a $56 million capital improvement project, and that got underway this past spring, and especially it's going to affect all the campuses, but they started with the high school they're going to see a, a new library. They kind of tore that all apart and kind of built a more modern library for the digital age. Also their STEM, their steam area went over a complete makeover. So, you know, we're going to do a story on that and hopefully I have some pictures to go along with that. So it's pretty cool. I think last week I talked about Lake Mayapak and patrolling it. Um, the police department is, um, Without getting into uh, the weeds on this, uh, at the county level, there's been some issues between the sheriff and the county legislator. Uh, The sheriff being a Democrat and the legislature being uh, 99% Republican, and they've clashed. And one of the things that's resulted of all that is they pulled the county patrol boat off of Lake Mayapack. And that's kind of left the Carmel Police Department holding the bag and having to patrol it on their own. The only problem is, is their boat is over 20 years old and it's on its last leg. So they need a new boat. And the initial price tag on one of these police boats is like $150,000. But there is a 50% reimbursement from the state through a certain program. And then there's been other donations and they're trying to get it down to the cost of what a new police car would be. But it's funny, I posted this uh and Brian can relate to this. I posted this story on Facebook, and it's amazing how people react without actually reading the story, right, Brian? guess <laughs> if they did. Oh, totally. They yeah. Say, <laughs> they wouldn't say these things. Um, you know, one person wrote, you know, it's a private lake, so let the people who have property on it pay for it. Well, it's not a private lake, it's owned by the state. And then more than 50% of the boats out there are from out of towners. So the argument that people who live in that district should pay for the boat is moot, you know, but anyway, it's amazing how many, you know, everybody's like support the blue, you know, and everything like that. And now everybody's like not feeling so bluish on this particular issue. (laughs) Then the one, you know, speaking of the police, the one thing that's happening this morning that I thought was kind of cool. We talk about national issues and how we hyper-localize them. Um, some of you may have seen on the news uh, last week that there was a police officer in Chicago, a Chicago police officer, a woman named Ella French, who was killed in the line of duty. Well, this morning, in about a half hour up at the firehouse, the Putnam County Sheriff's Department, in conjunction with the Carmel Police are all meeting there in full dress uniform and trying to coincide right with her funeral, which is also taking place in Chicago this morning. And they're all going to line up in the parking lot in their dress uniforms for a moment of silence in tribute to the fallen officer in Chicago. And we have Tabby up there who is going to take what I hope will be a dramatic photograph of that. I thought would be pretty cool. And that's an example of how we take something that's not necessarily local, but localizing it a little bit. And so, um, you know, we got a other, couple other things percolating, but those are the uh, the big things in pack right now. Great. Besides the mask.
0: <laughs> great. great, Bob. Thank you so much. So um, I think we're going to end this episode, and I appreciate your guys' time and all the great work you guys do. And uh, hopefully we'll meet again next week. Right. Take care. Always Sounds like a plan. Bye.
2: Bye-bye.